this week's Adam Schefter podcast, a special Valentine's Week podcast, we'll sit down and talk with the ESPN reporter Michelle Beisner Buck, who's married to the great Fox play-by-play man Joe Buck, as they detail how they met, when they met, who was responsible for when they met, and how they'll celebrate this week's Valentine's Day. We'll also be joined by my friend, the first hire from the NFL Network, the great Rich Eisen. And I want to remind you that Scott Van Pelt has joined the podcast world. If you haven't already, download and subscribe to the SVP Pod and the Adam Schefter Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Before we get to Michelle Beisner-Buck and Joe Buck and Rich Eisen, first a word from ZipRecruiter. Hiring's challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then, find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, on to my friends, the lovebirds, Michelle Beisner-Buck and Joe Buck. Hi, Shefty. <laughs> Hello, Michelle. How you doing? How are you, my friend? You know what? You want to hear something amazing? This is the first time that your husband and I have ever spoken. Or met officially. That's a lie. Are you serious? That's not true. We met at Big Daddy's golf tournament. We met at oh, Big Daddy's golf right. tournament? Oh, boy. Yes. The one in that, at that castle. Ohika Castle. Yes. How could you forget that, Adam? Clearly, it was not a memorable meeting, Joe. My memory's slipping there, Joe. Uh, yeah, well. Joe tells I, me every day that he has Alzheimer's, so I don't know. If yours is, then... You know what? That's another yeah. reminder. i, I got to tell you something. I get more and more things like this that happen to me. I'm a little concerned about myself now. Me and Joe might be sick together. How well, maybe it's because oh, we got okay. a lot going on and our brains yeah. are just scattered, you know, thinking you, you've got tweets and... <laughs> Instagrams and rumors and off-season stuff, so give yourself a break, as I am going to do. Okay, so we have the basically one of the first families of sports here together in Valentine's Week. Pretty much. Yeah, and that was my idea here, to get you guys together here in Valentine's Week to see how one of the first families of sports celebrates Valentine's Week and if it means anything to you guys. Um, oh, I, I, I will tell you that I'm, I'm going on a trip, and we Michelle and I are celebrating our Valentine's Day on the 13th as opposed to the 14th. So, you know, that we're not, we don't stand on ceremony in this house. Uh, <laughs> we, we were Joe even doesn't. out of town that's, for that's our boys' lie, first Adam. birthday. <laughs> what? This is a this is a one sided conversation. I think it's important. Joe, listen. Joe tries to tell me all the time. Valentine's Day is the biggest hoax on the planet. There, there should not be one day dedicated for us to be able to celebrate our love. My thought is, 
What does it hurt? He's not really into getting me fly. I mean, he does, but I just don't think he, I think that he cringes a little bit when he has to purchase yeah. said flowers on Valentine's Day. Is that right? Is that accurate, babe? I, I don't even I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> I mean I I have no idea what you're talking about. I I, I shower you with love, with gifts, with flowers. Uh-huh. I'm I'm the John Fesh uh-huh. of sports announcing, where I send her uh-huh. one rose every day. Wow! To remind her of uh-huh. uh, to remind her of our love, my love. Uh, but, so, but the roses, the difference is the roses show up dead. They're already dead. So I don't I, I don't know what that says. It's it's a bittersweet message, but it, they're there nonetheless. So what are we doing on the 13th to celebrate Valentine's Day this year? If I'm not mistaken, last year, didn't the two of you go to Paris for Valentine's Day? This is kind of our thing. Yeah, we usually we usually leave the day after the Super Bowl. We've done it since, what, 2013? And we go, Paris is always, that's a must-stop. That's our favorite city in the world to just kind of go and eat our way through the city and walk around lost and in love and, you know, maybe see a museum here and there. Although I think we've gotten through all of them at this point. And then we usually go somewhere else. So our normal plan, though, is is derailed by um, these little children, these little humans in our life, our little Blakey and YY. So we are actually going to leave on March 1st. And yeah, but yes, the last, what, four or five years we have been in Paris and we have... It's been amazing. I don't know what we're doing this year. What are we doing? Where are we going, babe? Uh, I, I, I'm going to surprise you oh. and myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, you know, first of all, amateur mistake. Yeah. You don't ever, ever say on a podcast what day you're leaving town. Now, anybody <laughs> in the area that, that listens to uh, Shefty's podcast will know that we are gone uh, for the early part of March, but but we were talking about 2021, right? That wasn't that <laughs> right, we were exactly, about, Michelle. And yeah, and play, play, absolutely. Plans. And the good thing is, no one listens to his podcast anyway. So exactly, exactly. And plans change too. Like you might decide to leave earlier right. or later or not go. Right? Like that's who knows? right. Blake or Wyatt, you know, could Nobody have a cough, knows. could have a cold, and yet stay that's- home. Or, you, or, or you know, after this complete Valentine's Day, 13th of February failure on my part, we could fight all the way up until the 1st of March and, and like you said, not even go. Yeah, we'll well, see. I mean, it's, it's all I'll out on the go. table. We'll see which way we go. That's what will happen there. Yeah. So so how are you celebrating this week prior to the big the big trip and whenever that is? Uh, Honestly, yeah, exactly. we're going to go to dinner and... That's probably going to be it. it. The celebrations don't get too too big, and we don't stay out too late because of, again, these little humans yeah. that have us up at you know before the sun rises. And it's a lot. It's a lot, Adam. I know you have kids. Oh, yeah. Sometimes having two at the same time is like having ten at the same time. And um, <laughs> it's such a fun age that they're at right now. They're 21 months, so they're exploring and talking and running and jumping and every day there's something new and really kind of mind-blowing that they say or do which is awesome but it is as you know exhausting we probably won't do much we'll go to dinner we'll have a nice dinner we'll try to stay off our phones and just focus on each other for a solid three hours and then we might come home and watch a dateline and go to bed that's kind of or cheer actually is what i'm trying to get him to watch right now here's my question as a guy who became a father later in life 
How did you feel about doing the whole thing over again, Joe? Raising kids. Oh, here we go. Well, no, oh, no, God. no. I'm just, I'm just curious. I, here we, I didn't know that I was going to touch a nerve there or anything like that. I'm just curious. Here we no, go. I, it's, it's a very fair <laughs> question. I don't know if Michelle will stop talking long enough for me to answer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if I can go. Go. Uh, I, I, I find that it's, uh, it's tiring at the age of 50, even though I know that's not ancient. But it's, it's a lot with twins, but it's worth every minute of yeah. it. And I, I feel like I know the answers to the test. Uh, this time around because I've I've got two daughters who are up and out of the house. I mean, I became an empty nester for about 16 seconds, and then I filled the nest back up. And uh, well, I've got one daughter living in New York, trying uh, her hand at acting, one daughter at USC, and wanting to be a film director wow. and, you know, having a blast and, and being a good young woman that uh, that I'm very proud of. Both are in that category, and now I'm starting over, and you kind of know what's to come, which is both intimidating and exciting. So I, I love it. I, these these kids are, are my life, all four of them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like it's any different, though. I don't I – don't, people say, well, you know, you you get a chance to do it the second time around as if the first time around it was just filled with mistakes. And I, I feel like I, I tried my best with my girls, and I couldn't be closer with them. And now I'm trying to lay that same groundwork with my sons, uh, who are lucky enough to have a great mom and Michelle, and you know we're finding our way. But it's it's been rewarding and and awesome and everything I hoped it would be when we you know went down this path. Any reason that both of your daughters gravitated towards the film industry, with one wanting to go into acting and one wanting to become a film director? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, as far as, as the girls are concerned, Natalie, my oldest, who, who was acting in New York, was exposed to stuff on uh, on Broadway in the local uh, theater scene here in St. Louis, the Muni Opera, with my mom, who, you know, tried her hand on Broadway uh, back in the 60s. And uh, was some, it was part of her genetic makeup and now you know it's it's been handed down to natalie and i think trudy my younger one who's in film school at usc has been around so much cool stuff you know i always took the girls to super bowls and world series and they saw behind the scenes and they saw the way broadcasts were made and and uh you know how something got on television and the cool editing that happens in a production truck and i think it was the natural next step for her she loves sports but but she she is all in on movies and i think learning something about the business and about the the history of it now at usc and how to actually make it make it uh come to life is something that that combines all of her talents and her eye and her her mind that you know it seems like a really good fit for her and she's happy which is all i care about that's an awesome thing. I love that you would bring them along and they would get to experience the life of Joe, right, and see what goes on behind the scenes and get to live your life on the road. That's kind of a neat little deal. Well, it's the way I grew up. You know, I was lucky enough to have a dad that wanted me around him. And I was always aware of that as a kid. I was in every National League city. By the time I was 12, I was going to Monday night football games with him when he was doing it on the radio with Hank Stram. And, uh, you know, I missed a lot of school, but it was worth every minute of it because I was ready when I took over uh, in the minor leagues at 19 while I was going to college. And I was doing Cardinal baseball in the big leagues at 21 and a World Series at 27. And I think all those 
trips that my dad took me on kind of lit the fire for me. And, and so I, I, t- I took that same tact with the girls. I felt like when I was away a lot and I was doing way more back then because I was the Cardinals everyday announcer at that point in my life. But when it felt like I'd been gone too much, I'd just grab them and we would go. And I fully expect to do the same thing with these boys uh, as, as they get a little bit older. It's kind of silly at, at 21 months, but as they get a little bit older and get something out of it, uh, they'll be by my side when I'm, when I'm doing big events and uh, with their mom and me and, you know, living this great life that we're afforded by, by covering sports for a living. That's an awesome thing. Michelle, what is it like for you to watch Joe when he's calling a game? When you're watching a game and he's calling, is that, is that tough for you, hard for you, enjoyable, what? No, I mean, I love it. So, you know, I, I, I've done it a lot. And I'm always amazed at, they have an incredible team. And it's, it's, it's like this beautiful, beautifully orchestrated masterpiece that happens every game. And Joe is the conductor. And it, it, it just, Joe is so brilliant because he knows when to lay out. He knows when to let the big moments breathe and not say anything and let let the people at home enjoy it instead of filling every moment every second of time with a, a nugget about the player a, a different nugget about the team and he's so good at seeing what's going on and joe, to watch va- he and troy do it together is really fascinating joe the valentine's day gift just got bigger and better i think right there that's right no i know and 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 it, it is something <laughs> just that, out. he's not even listening no, I, I take that really seriously because we just did this last Super Bowl down in Miami, obviously, and I get four seats. So we filled those. My daughters came, you know, on the heels of what we just talked about. Uh, a couple of friends came of theirs as well. And then Michelle sat in the booth uh, kind of up on the ledge with uh, kind of sitting uh, cross-legged up there looking. She could have plunged uh, overboard and, and decided to stay in the booth, but it was comforting to me truth to know that she was there and to look over to my left and she was 15 feet away from me while I called a game to 100 million people that that's a that's no small thing for me it gives me a sense of security and a sense of calm and ease when the nerves are bouncing around and uh, you know I feel it the same way when I watch her do pieces on Monday night when she's doing uh, a live throw uh, to one of these great uh, interviews that she's done during the course of the week and presenting a different side of one of these players that heck I never knew existed. You know, I, 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 I my, we've had people video me while I'm watching her on camera and I'm more nervous watching her do her thing uh, than I am to do a Super Bowl to a hundred million people. It's just, you're, you're almost holding your breath, hoping everything is perfect. And uh, you know, when, when she nails it, uh, it, it's a great feeling, not just for me, but obviously for her and, and our little tight knit family. So we're we're our we are each other's biggest fans, and uh, when you mm-hmm. have that with your with your partner, your wife, uh, your spouse, whatever it is, uh, it's it's a really great great feeling. So how did and the- each other's <laughs> biggest supporters? Just to add yeah. to that, I mean, there is I I'm sure you're this way too, Adam. We're all. <clears throat> we're all perfectionists and we're all very hard on ourselves. Um, at least I am. I know that Joe is yep. and negative self-talk can easily creep in. If, if I don't, if I don't execute my lead in and tag perfectly with the right inflection, with the right tone, with the right amount of fun, with the right amount of sentiment, 
and I fumble through a word or I, if anything, even the smallest thing goes wrong, even though I, it's live TV and I should forgive myself for some of that. I am so hard on myself. And the person that I go to to talk me off that ledge whenever that happens mm-hmm. is Joe. And he does the same thing with me. I mean, we will talk after the game. He, how did it sound, Michelle? At halftime of the Super Bowl, how's it sounding? Is it good? Like, are, are we doing our job? Am I doing it right? Am I hitting the big moments? Like, we really are our greatest support system. And that is such a comforting feeling because I remember, I remember thinking when I was in this business, it's very different. When I started in this business, I thought to myself, I will never get involved with somebody in this business. I thought it made me look bad. I thought it made me look like a climber in a, in a different way. It's, it's a whole different set of, of rules and thought processes when you are a woman in sports. And I fought that and pushed that away for a very long time. And thank God I came to my senses and I relented because there was nothing better than having a partner and person in your life that understands what you're going through, especially in in this business, in a business like this, where everyone is a critic. Everyone has an opinion. So... I, we're very lucky that we that we have that with one another. So what changed your mind, Michelle? How'd that happen? Well, he broke me down, Adam. He yeah, stopped well, me, yeah. and there was Joe? nothing that I could do. It was either get a restraining order or marry him, and that is the truth. I, I, I chose one. Now she's using, she's using my jokes now, uh, and And it's true. Uh, I saw her at a game that I was doing in the preseason for Fox, and she was covering it for NFL Network. And Adam, it was uh, it was Peyton Manning. It was Peyton Manning's first preseason game with the Broncos. Okay, so what happens? Okay. Yeah, and and so I found out who she was. I I had never seen her before, and I got her name, and I went through the intermediary, uh, the great dating service known as Rich Eisen, <laughs> and I asked him, uh, you know, tell me about this girl. What 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 kind of a person is she? And he said she's fantastic everybody loves her she's funny she's smart uh you know obviously she's a beautiful girl and i'm happy to make the introduction well at that time she was dating somebody and uh that didn't deter me i, I thought you know dating dating schmating I'm, I'm gonna win this girl's heart and i uh i put the full court press on her and somehow i think because of perseverance or she took pity on me or whatever it was uh <laughs> She broke down, and the next thing you know, we were uh, we were together in a couple, and then we were engaged. And she she made the move that uh, a lot of people want to make in life, and that is to move from Santa Monica, California, to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, to join me here in the Midwest. And uh, it's been nothing but roses and Valentine's Day ever days ever since. Michelle, how did he win your heart and get you from going to live with a boyfriend to moving to St. Louis? Well, um, I mean, he's he's not wrong. He did stalk me a little bit, Adam. I mean, this is true. <laughs> oh, we, boy. You know what was weird? We we had been in the same rooms at Super Bowl parties. We had been, obviously, at the same games. We had never laid eyes on one another wow. until that moment that he saw me. I was standing post-game waiting to go into the Broncos locker room to do post-game interviews. And we'd never met. We'd never seen each other. Um and I, I, it was a, it was strange after he after he reached out to Rich. I then and Rich and Rich reached out to me and he said, "Hey, 
Um, there's someone that wants your number. And I was like, well, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm dating someone. Even though it was a downward spiral quickly, I knew that that was going to end badly and, and soon at that point. But nonetheless, I, I, I wasn't going to go there. And then a month later, a month after Rich reached out to me, I then saw, I was sitting in the Packers media room and, or wasn't it? No, it wasn't a media room. Was it, babe? No, I don't know. I was I was getting ready to do a team cam hit for NFL Network, yep. and in walks Joe and Steve Horn. I don't know if you know the great Steve Horn, but everyone should know the great yep. Steve Horn. And I looked at him, and it was just one of those. It was it was just it was just an odd occurrence that I'm now seeing him. Um, so that happened, and he asked me if I was still dating someone, and I said yes. And so okay, so we move on, and then October. We well, you can tell this story, babe. October at Candlestick Park. I'm gonna speed this up. She she uh, <laughs> speed it up. She, Fine. She's at yeah, my God. She's at the coffee line. I forced my way down there. I introduced myself. I she she said, uh, "Have you been talking to Rich Eisen yep. lately?" And I said, "Why? Because I'm stalking you." And then <laughs> I I did get her number. I texted her. We formed a relationship over text. She was coming to St. Louis to cover the Packers and the. Or no, I was going to Green Bay for a game again, and she was coming to St. Louis, asked me for restaurant recommendations, which meant that she wanted to really go out with me. And I said, I'll only <laughs> no, give you the No, no, that's not what it meant. No, I'll only right. give you the recommendations uh, if I can take you to the dinner place that I would recommend. She said yes. Wow. And then it was pretty much all over but the shouting at that point. <laughs> see, here's my first question, Joe. You put on NFL Network, and you see Michelle, and you say, this woman's beautiful. Like, I've got to go meet her. I'm going to reach out to Rich Eisen. How come Michelle never put on Fox and said, oh, my God, there's the handsome Joe Buck. I yeah, I know. That, reach that's out to Troy Aikman. It's a very fair question, uh, and that's the disconcerting No, no, uh, we've already, we've already addressed side. it. The answer has already been given. I had tunnel vision. <laughs> First of all, I was seeing someone, and I wasn't going to go there, Adam. I didn't think it was a good idea for me to look at anyone yep. in the same business. Well, yeah, but but here's there you the go. Thing, Until I was forced once, to. Once, once forced me into it. Said, once Eisen said, somebody in the booth wants your number, she was like, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm currently seeing somebody, but just for giggles, you know, who is it? Let me guess. Uh, Troy Aikman. I wasn't like, going to tell everybody, Including, like, people who had died 20 years ago. And then at the end, it's like. <laughs> I did say Al oh, Michael. Don't tell me. It, 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 yeah, you went through literally every broadcaster. And then at the end goes, oh, just tell me it's not Joe Buck. <laughs> and he's like, well, it is. And he's a good friend of mine. Why do you say that? She said, well, I really don't know. I have no, I've only heard good things about him. But we determined that I did a, a national car rental ad that yep. uh, I looked like a smug jerk. And she decided that that's what and who I was. And she was not interested until Rich kind of uh, said, no, he's a great guy. Everybody, you know, who knows him, loves him, blah, blah, blah. And and that was when the, the ice started to melt just a little bit. <laughs> and where was that first yeah, date? Um, this story is all over. Wait, wait, wait. The first wait. date, I was, the story is all over the place. I was covering a Rams game and yeah. he was, he was going to cover a Packers game that weekend. So yeah. I was coming in to do, you know, pregame kind of reports and, we went to dinner. That was, when was that? That was December. Nobody cares. I don't know when it was. <laughs> Nobody cares. No one, no one cares. Yeah. But I do want to know, on that first dinner date in St. Louis at the restaurant that Joe promised to take you around to, these great 
dining establishments. And say, was it was it love at first sight? Was it sparks? Was it fire? Like was it that night all that Joe imagined it would be? It was for me. Oh, I'll tell you how it was. Uh, yeah, we it was. We shook hands at the end of the night. She went her she went her way. I went mine. I went to Green Bay uh, on Saturday before my Packer game and uh, thought, man, that went that went great. I was I was at my uh, I was at my best self, and I think I presented myself in the uh, perfect light. And afterwards, she was like, once we got to know each other, she's like, oh my god, that first date. I just I regurgitated every aspect of my life to her in the car ride from when I picked her up to the restaurant. I was just overwhelming her with information. I don't know why I knew that early that this was somebody that I wanted to eventually marry, but for some reason I did. And I I was 100% going to do whatever it took uh, to to make that happen uh, as, as long as she was interested back the other way. You you didn't you felt like you didn't have enough partners like with Tim McCarver and John Smoltz and Troy Aikman. You needed another partner there, Joe. Is that what the That's deal right. is? Yeah, I was I was lacking. Well, it's a different the, well, kind of you know, partner. You know what I'm saying? Well, none of those people have the affection uh, that that Michelle has uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> even though Tim Tim and I are are you well, know dear true. dear yeah. friends. And do, uh-huh. what was the story of the proposal? How, how did you propose, Joe? Um, well, I, I was I brought her into St. Louis. I had already uh, cleared the decks with my daughters. Told her, told both of them that uh, that I was going to ask Michelle to marry me. It, it all happened really fast. I think in the grand scheme of things, all within a year. And uh, I. I brought her to St. Louis. I had, I flew her family in. Uh, I made sure they were there and kind of hiding in the background. We went down into the basement of a friend of mine's house on a night uh, when Children's Hospital was doing something at this guy's house. And I, uh, we were walking around. It was awkward. And eventually I got down on a knee, popped out the ring. Her family came out of the woodwork. My family came out of the woodwork and party was on and and then uh we were married shortly thereafter did, did the news of I mean, your, I, I, did the news of your engagement run across the nfl network bottom line ticker with that night i think it did <laughs> oh yeah, yeah right yeah, I, I believe it did which i think uh, is why i got only because only because eisen wanted his name attached exactly to it that's so all I, I, think, right. I think eisen made that happen <laughs> per rich eisen okay, right rich, rich takes full credit for this this blessed union of ours to this day, right? To this day, you know our friend Rich. Yeah, of course. Well, he and, and he deserves it in this particular case, and he right? deserves it. I mean, that, he deserves that, it. And he, really, yeah, it, it's, 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 he's it known for, for three very... things. Rich is known for three things. <laughs> let me let me guess. Four. Let me guess. Let me guess, Joe. Before he's known for the race at the combine. Yeah, one number one. He's known for being the first hired NFL Network. Yep. Number two, and he's known for introducing the two of you guys. And one more. and the last one being a co-sports editor. Should be with near me and dear Michigan. to your heart. Co-sports editor with me at the Michigan Daily. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan, Michigan. Look, I went to Indiana. I nobody knows, nobody cares that I went to Indiana. But for you, you, you ex-Michigan people, enough. We get it. You well, guys are good in football. You have a great history. Whatever. Well, do do you get that from? I don't, I don't think I'm as uh, public no, you're not, about Adam. it you're as not. as rich. I mean, Rich is very public about it, right? I'm I'm a little bit more understated, I think. No, you are. 
you I, are. You I definitely. Agree. You know, Rich Jim Mo- Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is more understated than Rich <laughs> about Michigan. <laughs> well, that's that's also yeah. true. Yeah, Rich and I were co-sports editors of the college newspaper together, and then he told people that oh he my edited gosh. my game story the night that Michigan won the national championship, beating Seton Hall in April of 1989. The only problem was I didn't write a game story. I was at the game as a fan, so his memory failed him the same way that mine failed me about meeting you <laughs> at the Ohiki Castle. You guys all need, I, you know, you all need help. But but some of these stories run together, and it be, everything becomes a fish story. And you know, you you look back on these times, and everything was a lot simpler. And you yeah. know, Michelle touched on something earlier that that's true. You know, I, I think we're in a business now that has changed certainly since I've been in it. And and my first tour at Fox was in '94, and doing World Series uh, in '96. You know, it, it was a much simpler, easier time. And, and thank God, you know, for you, Adam, to have the, the ability to reach your fans and to break stories and to use social media, it's an unbelievable, great tool uh, for you to use. But it also comes with the other side of it, which oh, yeah. is everybody has access. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's firing shots at oh, you. Yeah. You know, along those lines, yeah. you kind of have to keep your head down and keep doing your job. And eventually somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, that's enough. You're finished. But until then, you have to kind of keep that stuff at arm's length, which is, which is, I think, more difficult uh, than, than people would imagine when you're on live TV or, or even recorded TV, for that matter. How do you tune that stuff out? Because it's so prevalent for all of us in the industry and everybody has access to you and everybody can comment and everybody does comment. How do you tune that stuff out? I just think you don't visit it very often. Um, You know, I I try to make social media kind of a one-way affair in my world. Uh, You know, I I touch a lot of nerves and I think a a big reason why is because of baseball. And, you know, a lot of the national guys, I'm, I'm really the only national baseball broadcaster that's been doing World Series in the age of social media. And I think when Baseball fans hear their local announcers, their hometown announcers, their team announcers call the games all year. They hear it one way, and and that's the way they want to hear it, and that's the way they should hear it. And then the national guy shows up, and that's me. And, you know, I've been that since 96, uh, and and I have to get excited for the other side, and it it pisses people off. So I, I think you have to keep it separate from your work. I used to have Twitter on my phone. Uh, and I've since kind of taken it off. If I want to go there, I can. I can download the app. I can put something up. I can hire people to put stuff up for me, and I, and I think it can be a fun way to interact with people, but it can also be something that's deflating, and I, and I think you have to be smart about how you use it and how much of that stuff you let creep into your head, and that's why what we said earlier about Michelle sitting there, having my daughters there, and eventually having my sons there is is kind of the the balance to all that. To look to to look to my left and see somebody that loves me, uh, and and somebody that's rooting for me trumps all that other stuff, and and kind of takes all that noise out of your head. So I I think that's that's the way I balance it all. That's the way I that's the way I choose to kind of live my professional life and and not wading into the water trying to get compliments to to build up my self-esteem i have to know that i'm doing the best job i can and fox wants me to do it and and when they don't then that won't be the case anymore but i you know it it is it is a trap 
And when I talk to kids that are getting into this business at college level, at even high school kids come to me asking me questions about how to get into this business. I, I say, you know, you're going to have to, you guys are going to have to really be strong because the minute you start developing your personality on air, people are going to take swipes at you and you have to just be confident to know that, that you're, you're good enough to withstand it and it's going to take all that to develop your on-air personality. That is so true. The more you can tune it out and just do what you do, tune out the noise, the better off you'll be in the long mm-hmm. run, right? You know, I remember, and, and actually I said it in our wedding vows, it's like there is so much pressure, there is so much that we all carry on our shoulders, especially, you know, you and and Joe, and you're you're constantly, like, working and going, and we all feel it, but you got to tune it out. And I even said in our wedding vows, like, just quiet your mind. Like you don't need it. You don't need it. All you need when, when your boss starts coming to you and criticizing the the game that you just called, then you can worry. Forget about Joe Schmo that's living in his mom's basement. Like, you know, I mean, it's plat- the platform that Twitter gives you is it gives you a voice without having to put a face to it. And it's really, it's really dangerous. And it's really it's just, it's not necessary, especially in our business, to listen to any of that. It doesn't make any sense. So, so that, made I, it, that made it into your wedding vows? Well, kind of. I mean, yes, it, <laughs> it made it in just as far as, well, I didn't say it. Joe actually said, to me, he's, he's the one that said it. He said, the moment that you told me to quiet my mind, a peace came over me that I've never felt before. Wow. And so, but we have to remember that, especially in this business, because it can be nuts and mean, you know, it, it's very, there's a lot of bullying in this business. So to tie it all together, Valentine's Day, social media, careers, life's together. Are we going to get like public displays, public uh, sentiments of happy Valentine's Day from the two of you, or is it going to be more private? Well, for me, it's um, always, it's always more private, but for Michelle, I mean, our kids are online more than Kardashian children. So, uh, yeah, it, we, I'm sure it'll be public on her end, on my end, because I, I don't like, I don't like kissing pictures. I don't think I ever look worse than in a kissing he hates picture. Them I hate them. I hate them. I just look, they look awkward. Um, and I just it's it's not something that I, I really want to dive into. So she will put up stuff publicly. There will be nothing on Twitter uh, on the 13th or 14th of February from me uh, about wherever we end up going here in the great city of St. Louis. But, but babe, here, here's the thing. If you go check out Joe's Instagram, well, it's private. So yeah. maybe, Adam, you need to make a yeah. request. Yeah. And Joe, you need to accept I, I, I've made the request. I'm on there, I believe. Yeah, okay. no, he's through. He got yep. through the. Yeah. Uh, he got through. He got through. <laughs> he made the cut. Oh no, yeah, thank you, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah. Only because it looks cool um, to my friends if Adam Schefter comments on one of my pictures. That's why. Yeah, that, that's a that's long right. way away, exactly. Joe. That's a long way away from 2007, December of 2007. You know that, right? You know where I'm going with this. What's that? Well, that was when, when I was working for NFL Network. And uh-huh. oh, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> Does Michelle know this story? I'm I don't think so. Oh, I just I that's the first time I thought about it since whenever. Is, I, I don't even know the date. And actually, Michelle, I'm in Green Bay. I am there on a Thursday night, and the okay. Packers are playing the I believe it was the Vikings, and it, I was going to be 40 years old the next day, and uh, I was about to propose to my wife now at the time, and Eric okay. Weinberger said, you know what, 
The Chiefs are playing the Raiders Saturday night in Oakland. We're doing that game as well. You don't have to go. Two teams are struggling. They're not playing well. It's a losing matchup. You can go home. I said, great. So I plan to go to Green Bay. I go to Green Bay, and that night I report during the pregame telecast that Al Davis, the Raiders owner, is going to fire Art Shell after the season, which for whatever reason set off a torrent of reports. It wasn't the day and age we're living in uh, with social media because social media hadn't even come to be yet. And it yeah. became a talking point. And I don't know how Joe got involved in this because were you doing pregame stuff? Joe Buck got on the Fox pregame show or during a show and said, who's Adam Schefter? But that was oh a real God. question. So it sounded smart ass. So <laughs> I was the host. I was the host that year. See that? There we go. And I was the host. And I think it was Howie Long yep. referenced the report by Adam Schefter. And then somebody else jumped in. Adam Schefter and somebody else. And I was like, wait, I got a question. Who's Adam Schefter? It wasn't like, who's, it, it was not meant in a way, it was like a legitimate question because it was live and, and I, they hadn't, we hadn't rehearsed that. I didn't know. And then after the fact, I start diving in. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, I look like the asshole, not you. No, so no, 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 no. 2007. 2007. I'm I... Working for NFL Network, there's no social media. I'm just trying to plug my way along in the business as a newspaper guy, a former beat guy. That's all. That's all I was. You you had every right to say that. I'm good with that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but now looking back, it it feels terrible. So the irony, the irony is, the irony is, Joe, your your now wife could have told you who I was in 2007, right, Michelle? I know. I was. I could not have my love for Rich Eisen. I was uh, I was not I don't think at that point an avid NFL network watcher. So uh, we've all come a long way since then. So I know I now know who you were and I sure as hell know who you are. And I remember meeting you at the Ohiki Castle now that you've brought it up as well. So okay, we, good. Great. So, so now we're, we're all even. You know, now we're all even. We're all good. And we could go enjoy Valentine's Day together. And I want to thank both of you for taking the time to share these love stories in what should normally be a football setting. And I think the listeners appreciate it. And I certainly do. And I thank you for the time today. I hope either it's that or Adam. this is going to be your last, your last episode. <laughs> I, I hope it's not. I hope the producers at Bristol don't hear this and then say, we're done with the love stuff. Let's get back to the hardcore stuff. With <laughs> you the know that we're that, of course. Right? Guys, thank yeah. you very, very much. Really, truly appreciate it. Enjoy your time together, and I hope you all get some downtime. All right, Thanks, man. Adam. Thanks, Love Adam. Everybody. And so from Michelle Beisner Buck and her husband, Joe Buck, to the matchmaker man himself, Rich Eisen. Uh, joining us now for his inaugural appearance, I believe, on the Adam Schefter podcast, correct? Rich Eisen? That is correct. Uh, that, but, 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 and, uh, I, I'm like wondering, you know, I appreciate the call, Adam. What's going on? <laughs> well, here's the deal, Rich. We've just wrapped up yeah. our segment with Michelle okay. Beisner Buck and Joe Buck. And okay. it's a Valentine's episode for this week's podcast. And, <laughs> and they recounted the story of how yeah. you introduced them. So I just wanted well, to know how your recollections compare to their recollections of their first encounter. Okay. Um, all right. So, I mean, I guess I, I, I didn't really introduce them. I, I was asked. Correct. For Michelle to be introduced to Joe by Joe via text. Basically, he's just, you know, I think he's really into Michelle, liked her a lot, was attracted to her, asked if he could be introduced to her by me. You know, and I've known Joe forever. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, when my wife and I were living long distance um, with her in Los Angeles, uh, um, covering the Lakers and the Angels and, and uh, USC in the heyday of Shaq, Kobe, and Pete Carroll and the Angels winning it all. She was doing that. I was working on Sports Center. So one year, my birthday fell on Joe Buck's charity tournament. And um, he had uh, Susie flew in to surprise me with a birthday cake. So he's kind of done something like this before. And I kind of felt, you know, I owed him. And plus, I liked Michelle and I liked Joe. And I thought that might be interesting. So I told Joe, hang on a sec. Let me ask Michelle. So I texted Michelle that an A-list broadcaster in our business was interested in getting her phone number, at which point she then proceeded to guess virtually every A-list broadcaster in our business, not named <laughs> over and over and over. I finally had to end the this thing. The suspense and drama? Just, yes. By just revealing who it was. Yep. It was Joe. Her reaction wasn't immediately like, oh, you know, let's definitely do that. Because um, I guess she was, she had a, now this is just, I guess, the one part that's a mystery to me, but I'm not going to, you know, ask her at the time. <laughs> and certainly not now that they're married with two beautiful babies. Yes. But, um, you know, hey, um, Joe's kind of not bad. <laughs> He's Joe's, Joe's great. And I think it didn't really I'm not mistaken, Joe just went up to her uh, when he saw her at a, a, I think maybe a 49ers game or something like that. And and that was that. But yeah. I, she did eventually assent to her phone number being given. And now the rest is history. Well, right. So, But you helped facilitate the initial connection. And you were the one yes. that he reached out to when he saw her yes. on air. And as I said to Michelle and Joe, I said, it's interesting that Joe saw your face and saw the need to reach out to Rich. How come you, Michelle, didn't see Joe's face on Fox and feel the need to reach out to somebody at Fox to make that introduction to Joe? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I just think um, Michelle might have been involved at the time. or And I, I just knew that, you know, her and Joe would be a great match. Joe's just uh, an aces person. And I've known Michelle for a very long time, too. And so, yes, I was sort of the one with Cupid's arrow to say, hold on a second, Joe. Let me check with her to see if it's okay for her number to be given. She eventually gave the, the green light, yes. and then they're the, off the two of them go. But, yes, the funny thing was I asked her to name, you know, I'm just like if she wanted to guess who it was first. And yeah. the words A-list broadcaster did not come <laughs> Well, let me ask this question. Initially. Yeah. Initially. So, yeah. Where does this rank? on your list of accomplishments in your storied, illustrious career? Like, you've done an awful lot here. But fixing yes. up Joe Buck and Michelle Beisner Buck now, where would that rank? You, you, in terms you know of what, you've done? Adam, it's, it's, it's way up there. Uh, we also, uh, on my show that I do you know, every day, our, our makeup <laughs> artist met one of the audio techs on the show, through the show, and now they're married. Wow. You know, and, and, I met, and I met Susie in the newsroom of ESPN, yes. you know? So... You know, these, it's amazing how sometimes work will bring people together in a manner in which is everlasting, you know, and in a way, um, you know, not to get too deep, but it is a Valentine's Day edition of the Adam Schefter podcast. 
you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how these, how these things, you know, connect and how they work and, and how uh, wonderful it can be, you know? So um, it's pretty cool. You'll, you'll enjoy listening to Joe because he said Rich Eisen is known for three things during the course of his career yes. before he could even <laughs> rattle them off. I said, whoa, 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 hold on. Can I please guess? And so we played that little game. And I yes. and my and my guesses were fairly accurate, Rich. I said you. Okay. Are, I said you are best known for yes. basically starting the forty yard dash at the combine mm-hmm. uh, yes. for raising all the money that you do for St. Jude's and doing the great job that you do there. I yes. said you are known as the first hire for the NFL Network, the first correct. marquee high so profile on air person that they hired. You were not too far behind, Adam. You no, but, too far but I was a little far behind. And then I said, lastly, uh, I said, Joe, this wouldn't be one of your three, but it would be Rich and I were co-sports editors of the Michigan Daily together. <laughs> and he said, well, you're not far off. He said, Rich is known for Michigan. Basically, he called you okay. He called you an extreme Michigan homer. He didn't mention, which I will mention now, the Rich Eisen show, Okay. There you go. Okay. I appreciate that. There you go, Rich. I appreciate that from Joe. Joe's a frequent guest. Yeah. Well, there you As go. are you. Yeah. So, so, so we brought up all these things, and we just thought it was very nice, your little connection to Michelle and Joe, as we did this Valentine's rendition of this week's podcast. I thought it was pretty cool. And as you know what? I, I appreciate that, man. And, and uh, by the way, NFL.com slash Run Rich Run is open for business for people to donate. Uh, there you go. To, uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is kind of a perfect timing. I don't know. I was about to kind of go on a podcast tour to help start promote this, and you are inadvertently through Cupid's Arrow, yes. the first one that I am on now. And Rich, repeat uh, the repeat the information again for those who just missed it and wanted to and want to jot it down. NFL.com slash run rich run. I think you were part of the combine broadcast that uh, that all you were there in two thousand five. Yep. I imagine, right? Uh, yeah, two, yes, I was. Yes, yes, I was. Two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. two thousand five, uh, where I was sitting uh, next to one of your favorite people, Terrell Davis. Yep. Um, just as many things in our business are bored out of she- born out of sheer complete boredom, waiting for a shoot to happen. We're sitting uh, in the stands of the old RCA dome and um, suited up, ready to do total access. And he, I turn to him and say, "How fast do you think I can run the 40? He laughed. I cursed at him and went down on a field and had no idea that um, <clears throat> our production staff had at least one person in the truck recording uh, on the big Steadicam by Big Big Game James, the uh, Steadicam operator, shot me uh, running my first 40 at 6.77 seconds. And um, now, my God, 15, now 15 years later, uh, fifth year of doing it for charity for St. Jude. So... NFL.com slash run, Rich Run, and let's raise as much money as possible. That's awesome, Rich. That's, you've done a great, great job Thanks, with that. that. That's a fantastic thing and a great cause, and there'll be many people supporting that, and you'll see it all over NFL Network here in the weeks to come. And before I let you go, give me your Tom yes. Brady prediction about where he's going to wind up. I have a feeling it's Los Angeles, man. I just do. I saw just before I hopped on here your tweet about, the uh, mutual parting of the ways between the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. Now, um, that might be just getting ready to draft a young kid, but um, and and they may still do it. And and I think you know maybe they're a little bit. I don't want to use the word scarred, but you know over having uh, a veteran quarterback 
where you're running the risk of their uh, skills diminishing in front of your eyes. Um, and, and Brady would be too much of a risk in that, despite how goat he is. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the one uh, on this conversation who lives in Los Angeles. And I said this on my show, and I'll say it on yours, Adam, that my three kids, who are 11, about to turn 9, and 6, have never looked at me and asked me, Dad, can we go to a Chargers game? Mm. But if Brady comes to Los Angeles, we would, and they would ask me for a powder blue number 12 jersey on the spot. Yeah. And if that's what this means for... L.A. for the Chargers as they move into their new stadium with the Rams, then that's an imperative for them. So there, you need that, and then you need obviously Brady and the Patriots. So I, I kind of ask you the question because you know, you know the, the um, I guess if you will, fault lines here. One has to be made right before the new league year, otherwise it becomes more difficult yeah. to sign him, right? And then by then he can't know what roster changes the Patriots are going to make because yep. that has to happen after the league year begins. Here's what I would so say. So if, yeah. if, if that's all I'm saying, is that if that is a, uh, a hurdle, that's one that can't be reckoned with at the same time. That's the problem. Well, I have a few thoughts. Number one, uh, I don't think that Tom Brady and the New England Patriots will wait till the week of March 16th to get an answer. I think that right. that decision will be made well in advance of March 16th. And I don't know whether that's on February 21st or February 28th right. or March 1st, whatever well, it is. Could the be Patriots, at the combine. Could be at the combine, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think the Patriots and Tom Brady are waiting till March 16th, 17, 18 to get that answer. So that'll be determined, I believe, long in advance of that so that both sides can know right. what they are and aren't doing going forward. And where he will land, it's great fun to speculate on it, but I don't think Tom Brady knows where he's going to land. And the fact that we don't right. know where Tom Brady's going to be in 2020, to me, right, right there, that, that's enough of a storyline to continue to talk about for the days and weeks to come because the greatest quarterback, the greatest player who's ever lived, we don't know where he's going to be playing. It might be in New England, but it might not be. Well, I mean, if you if you look at it and put the positives and negatives on it, I honestly don't know what the personal life positive negatives are about family and whether, you know, his wife um, and his kids would want to do this. I mean, so I'm, I'm removing that from the equation, even though it's got to be a very large part be. of it. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. Right. So, so in terms of the professional, you got to put the pros and the cons. And, you know, the, the pros are the roster of the Chargers. You really have, I mean, like, let's call it as you see it. I mean, you know, I know he loves Edelman for good reasons, and James White and Sonia Michelle has had, you know, um, his moments. But if you look at Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, and then on the other side of the ball, well, Henry and Joey Gordon are free agents. Henry and Gordon are free agents. Well, I mean, that's true, and Gordon's probably going to be gone. Yep. And but Henry, I mean, yeah. Henry, I would, I'd be stunned if they don't keep him. I guess but again, this is this is the way I'd look at it. Uh, with but, Abram, I mean, with um, with Derwin James yeah, and got, Melvin but, but, Ingram. But let me let me cut you off and just say this to me: as somebody pointed out sure. to me, the Raiders have an offensive line built to protect him with a running back in Josh Jacobs, with a tight end in Darren Waller, with Tyrell Williams, and a slot receiver like Hunter Renfro. They afford Tom Brady as much, if not more, offensive weapons and protection 
than the Chargers do right, right now. Now, well, uh, then, uh, then, then then let's keep going here. What's what's the salary cap ramifications of telling Derek Carr, um, "Thanks for playing. You're not you're not you're not going to be the first quarterback in the history of the Vegas Raiders after all." I mean, at least with the Chargers, they have an open. They they don't have anything to deal with on that front. They're they're just having an empty roster spot. Yep. The Raiders would have to create one, and I would imagine trading Carr or just telling him you're now one of the most expensive backups in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't imagine how Mayock and Gruden would be able to figure that one out, but I guess anybody could. I guess you could. Well, the, I just the, don't know the, the numbers. The, the dead cap would be $7.9 million. Uh, there you go. The cap hit, I believe, would be twenty one point five. But I, but then I love they, having conversations with you like this. And then, but the, but, you already know but, the answer. But, but the eighteen nine comes right off the book. So, like, it's you know, I think it's almost like you know, it's a wash almost, uh, just about. And here's really? the thing: it, you know, it's not cap space; it's cash. And the Raiders, I believe, going to Vegas are going to have a lot of cash. And the Chargers have struggled to spend and have a lot of needs to spend on other free agents: Bosa, Henry. Whoever else they want to sign, and so again, th- those are two logical places. And I was of the mind that the Chargers made more sense and might be a better fit. And I still see where they could fit. But I've had other people argue to me, watch the Raiders here, that they seem to be a very plausible fit. And I, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I don't. I don't think Tom knows. I don't think the other teams know. And yeah. it's all part of what makes for. The most intriguing quarterback offseason that the NFL's ever had, I believe. I agree, sir. Yep. I so, agree. Look at us. Yeah, well, well, man. Rich, go uh, back to your vacation. Uh, I've taken more time of yours than I expected to. No, I do appreciate I just it. talking to you, man. It's been, it's been too long. And I love talking to you, my friend. And I will see you in Indianapolis. Enjoy your downtime, and we'll talk soon. See you soon. Thanks. Special thanks to Rich Eisen for taking some time from his vacation to join us to talk about his matchmaking abilities, and they are outstanding. And special thanks to my friends Michelle Beisner-Buck and Joe Buck for taking some time out of their pre-Valentine's Day schedule to sit down, talk about how they met, and how they'll celebrate this holiday. And thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we sit down with more guests to bring you the latest in the ever-evolving world of the NFL. Have a great week, everybody.